intellectual property that is not original to Magic the Gathering. So far, what universes beyond cards have we seen and had? The very first one, perhaps the most, the one that caused the most vehement outcry was uh, the Secret Layer Walking Dead cards. But what else have we had? There was Secret Layer Walking Dead. Those were original cards around characters and uh, objects, in some cases, from the Walking Dead universe. We had a Secret Layer around Street Fighter. So those were original cards for Street Fighter characters. Uh, there was a Secret Layer for Fortnite. Fortnite, I think, were just reskins of normal magic cards. They use the Godzilla treatment, <laughs> which uh, is so named because there were Godzilla cards inserted randomly into boosters in Ikoria. Uh, yeah, so Secret Layer Walking Dead, that was fall 2019. Ikoria, I think, was the next big experiment in universes beyond, and that was spring of 2020. Great time to be playing Magic. Um, <laughs> uh, the Godzilla treatment refers to this kind of, like, nameplate that appears below the normal name line. So, like, the name line would be, uh, you know, Godzilla, the, the such and such, the laser breath, or whatever. Um, I, I don't know Godzilla lore really at all. Um, but yeah, the main line would be Godzilla, and then the line below it would say like, Zalortha, Primal Calamity, or whatever, and that's kind of a weird example because there what there is no Zalortha card. Zalortha has never been given a print card that says Zalortha on it, and only Zalortha. Um, I think that was a, like a buy a box promo or something, a box topper of some kind. So kind of a weird example, but yeah, say there's like King Caesar. I don't know what King Caesar is supposed to be, but uh, it's a reskin of the, uh, what's the guy, the, the Mardu Apex uh, behemoth. Um, God, I'm not going to remember. Um, anyway, so... And, you know, even even when it doesn't really make sense, like, there were non-legendary creatures in Ikoria that were reskinned as legendary, like, you know, legendary, using the magic parlance, unique characters. So, like, Sprite Dragon pretty sure it was one of these. It was reskinned as Gatsuki. And I, yeah, Sprite Dragon is a non-legendary fairy dragon. And, you know, would you call Gatsuki a fairy dragon? Is Gatsuki a blue-red creature? Does it have any, like, mechanical resemblance to Sprite Dragon, which is when you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on it? Does that make sense? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know 
I, I remember the 80s cartoon from growing up in the 90s, but I don't... 70s cartoon? I don't know. But I do not really recall what Getsuki's whole thing was, besides being the scrappy-doo to Godzilla's Scooby. Anyway, so... That was a, a, an experiment in reskinning. They have since used that again with the Fortnite cards. There was Blood Bowl, which is a Games Workshop IP uh, that they, they reskinned some cards to for a secret layer. There were also... Um, let's see. Oh, some Transformer cards. Which is a property that's owned by Hasbro, so Magic didn't you know, and Wizards of the Coast presumably didn't have to pay licensing fees for that. Um, that's kind of also a, a point. You know, like, did Magic have to pay money to use this IP, or was Hasbro basically saying, like, hey, Magic, Wizards of the Coast, you're, you're our best, uh, you're our most profitable division right now, so we want you to use your, your prowess to, uh, try to, try to cross-promote and sell some My Little Pony or some Transformers toys. It's only a matter of time before we get a Mr. Potato Head secret later, I'll tell you. Um, anyway, so, the reskin is kind of, I think a lot of people found that to be a more palatable solution for, sometime, like, it's no new mechanics, it's just, uh, existing magic cards that have kind of been, like, reflavored, like, given a new name, but not, nothing else about the card is different, and the reskin, part of the rules around it is that the card is the same, the card is, like, so, Sprite Dragon and Gatsuki, they're not, like, you don't get to play four Sprite Dragon and four Gatsuki. You get four of whichever. It's basically, like, treating the reskins as just another, like, a reprint. So, I think a lot of people preferred that because they thought, like, fine, whatever, I can just ignore those arts, and if I'm really drawn to playing this card, but I, I have no interest or worse, antipathy towards Godzilla, I can just get regular sprite dragons. It's fine. Um, I think where they really missed was Secret Lair, Walking Dead. They tried to do too much. It was, for one thing, an early venture into Secret Layers. I think they had just started that, like, the previous winter. So Secret Layers as a concept were kind of new, and for those blissfully unaware, a Secret Layer is a release of cards that is only available for a, a short window. It's print-to-demand. They take as many orders as they want, or as, as people are willing to make, and they, they print up cards to demand and ship them out. Um, rather than, like, with most expansions and commander decks and products like that, they pre-print a certain number based on what they think will sell and get them out to their distributors. Uh, for one thing, this is cutting out the middleman. So Wizards of the Coast is directly contracting with their printers 
and they handle all the fulfillment. So that's kind of, it's something a little different that Magic hasn't normally done. And there were some secret layers that kind of towed the line early on. Like there was a Bitter Blossom secret layer that was a single copy of the card Bitter Blossom. Uh, and three one-one black fairy rogue creature tokens that naturally you would you would play with Bitter Blossom. So Wizards was basically just selling a single playable card. Like tokens are tokens can be represented by anything. That's vanity, basically. <laughs> um, aesthetics. It has no gameplay so to speak. Um, so, you know, and some people were kind of worried, like, oh, is this going to problematize sales for local game stores? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, like, local game stores seem to have bought out secret layers to a degree as well and sell them after the secret layer window is closed. Um, usually at a markup, so it seems to be working. I mean, I don't know. I haven't spoken to anybody who works at a game store, but I guess it's all part of Wizard's general plan to kind of find alternatives to distributing through uh, local game stores. You know, Wizard's directly sells through Amazon now. They have an Amazon storefront. They no longer uh, provide MSRPs or manufacturer-suggested retail prices for products. They haven't for a number of years, so these are all like somewhat anti-consumer uh, procedures that Wizards has adopted, policies Wizards has adopted. Um, but secret layers, you know, uh, I think what what people really chafed at with the secret layer Walking Dead set was these are mechanically unique cards. Uh, they are going to be printed for a limited time and then never again. And because they're a licensed IP, you know, Wizards or Hasbro has no ownership over The Walking Dead. They license that from whoever owns The Walking Dead. I don't know. Um, but because they license that IP, they're probably, probably in their licensing agreement is they do not have the capacity to reprint those cards. Some of them are very unique in terms of flavor as well. And also, uh, there are cards that create walker tokens, which are 2-2 colorless zombie tokens. Uh, it's, it's just weird. Like, now walker is a token in the game. They also, there were some other reasons, like, uh, there was a character represented by a card in the secret layer, Nagan. I don't know if I'm saying that right, who is apparently, like, a real bad dude in the lore. Torture, sexual assault, murder, maniac. I remember the Play EDH Discord actually banned Nagan as a commander. Even though he does something kind of interesting mechanically, he, like, is sort of sacrifice tribal in Mardu and creates a treasure token whenever somebody sacrifices a thing, which is kind of neat, kind of different. Um, and they were, people were also worried that uh, Glenn was going to make waves in Legacy. I don't know if that's been borne out. Uh, Rick is a very expensive card because he's, you know, mono-white human tribal. 
And there's just something, I, I will say for me personally, something pretty immersion breaking about like this guy named Rick, who's your commander. <laughs> um, so I, I get it. I think the flavor is too dissimilar to magic, even though there are zombies and magic has zombies. It's a little out there. That was Secret Layer, Walking Dead. There was Secret Layer, Stranger Things, that had all the kids from the Stranger Things crew and the, the cop who hangs out with them. Um, they all had this, like, kind of pseudo-partner mechanic called Friends Forever, where you could pair any two of them together and have them both be your commander. But it, it doesn't work with partners, so you couldn't take, like, Mike Dungeon Master and pair him with, like, Tevish Zot or something. So that secret layer, I, I think after the outcry from uh, Walking Dead, and they did not secure this in the licensing rights for The Walking Dead, I believe. But The Walking Dead, the, the drama was so great. There was a prominent magic YouTuber, commander YouTuber, who actually, like announced that he was taking his toys and leaving. He he set up a Discord server for a new format called Captain, in which specifically, I believe, cards with a triangle hollow foil stamp, which all the uh, Universes Beyond cards had, uh, those cards specifically would not be legal in the format. Otherwise, it was exactly the same as Commander. I believe that crumbled because he did not manage the Discord community very well. So that that was a huge mess. But I think Wizards did eventually take the feedback somewhat to heart because while they did not stop producing secret layers, they started releasing them as universes within versions, which I think a lot of people were mollified by. I am not super keen on, personally. Um, they took the Stranger Things crew and release them as uh, inset boosters. Like, all of the kids have been not just reskinned using the Godzilla treatment, but released as, as completely distinct cards that are identical mechanically. I think this has opened up kind of a new can of worms because you have this crew of scrappy Innistrati investigators and, you know, woodland survivalists and so forth. And you can kind of see through it and see that they were clearly based on another IP. For example, Bjorna, Nightfall Alchemist, depicts this maniacal old woman coolly walking away from an explosion of lightning, and the mechanic is tap and sacrifice an artifact to deal one damage to target creature, and you goad that creature. Um, which fits very well for the card it's originally it was originally created for, Lucas from Stranger Things. Obviously, it's like a kid putting a rock in a slingshot and like hitting somebody who goes, "Ow, what was that?" Um, I believe also that year we had Arcane. There were a number of spells and characters. These were reskins, so you don't really hear them talked about that much or see them. With many secret layers, it's like, okay, the, the proposition is Wizard is going to sell you a number of singles, and this is the sticker price. You can get it foil or non-foil. Anyway, so yeah, Stranger Things, Arcane, I mentioned Street Fighter, I believe earlier. Street Fighter was... They were all legendary creatures based on characters. I'll come back to that because uh, I think the universes within was kind of a clumsy reskin for those characters. Uh, Warhammer 40k. These were commander decks, 
believe four of them. Yeah, there was a Teamer, Red, Green, Blue, Tyranid deck. There was the Mono Black Necron deck. The Necrons are like, I don't know, I don't, I don't need to explain all this, but... <laughs> Wait, no, that's the show, dang, I got it. Okay, the Mono Black Necron deck, which was like a artifact creature, kind of reanimate sort of deck. There was the blue-black-red Chaos Marines and Demons. It was like kind of a Cascade sort of deck, Cast from Exile, some Demon Tribal, stuff like that. And then there was the white-blue-black Imperials. A lot of soldier tokens. Were they soldiers or were they like Astartes warriors? Um, I should mention, the only real connection I have to any kind of Warhammer lore is the Warhammer 40k Dawn of War intro. We are the Emperor's Fury! Before I lose myself in some kind of YouTube rabbit hole here, that would be a good podcast topic. YouTube. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm gonna get back on track. Try to. Other universes beyond. Um... The Transformers cards, they were released in uh, set boosters. In, there was a secret layer that was reskins of cards, like I think Dublin Cube um, got reskinned as the Allspark and stuff like that. Um, and then there were the original Transformers cards that were released in um, Brothers War set boosters. I'll say. This is kind of, so Universes Beyond was, they toyed with it a little bit in the past, like, in the last five years or so, uh, yeah, I want to say like 2017-ish, um, so a number of years before they started doing Universes Beyond formally, started doing, uh, secret layers at all, um, there were... There were uh, silver-bordered cards based around uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, um, and also silver-bordered cards based around, like, some other Hasbro properties. Like, there was a, a nerf card that made you, like, shoot nerf darts at your opponent's deck, and it milled as many that got knocked off the table, I believe. Um, there were cards that, uh, there was one card called Sword of Dungeons and Dragons, a take on the popular Sword of X and Y cycle, um, that, uh, made you roll a d20, which now is, like, kind of quaint, because rolling d20s is, that's a major mechanic of both of the D&D sets, that's just text that's in the game. Um, but it used to be that rolling dice was strictly a silver-bordered thing, and for some reason, coin-flipping was the black-border variant of that. Um, but yeah, sort of Dungeons & Dragons. It also made a gold dragon token, which, like, gold dragons are a thing in D&D lore. Uh, but, and, like, colloquially, a gold card in Magic is a multicolored card, but, like, Gold is not a color that an object in magic can be. It's not a color. At any rate. So, 
for a number of reasons, sort of Dungeons and Dragons was a silver bordered card. There was the nerf card. They also there were a couple, I think a couple Transformers cards. Um, Grimlock, I believe. Is that the Dinobot guy? Uh, he was one. And they kind of they used kind of a, an amusing piece of terminology. Um, they were, you know, as you would kind of hope for from transforming Transformers cards, they transformed from face A to face B, just as, you know, magic cards have done in the past, transform. But that action is transformed because Transformers is a brand name my understanding is that Transformers have to use the word convert, um, because if they use transform, then you could just, like, anybody could make robots that, that change from, like, a vehicle mode to, you know, a robot mode, and they could call them Transformers legally, because, oh, yeah, they transform, they just change form, right? They're Transformers. So that's why in all Transformers TM uh, materials, they they refer to the robots as converting. They convert. They don't transform as a verb. Transformers, therefore, can be uh, retained as a brand name. So that's kind of the what's going on under the hood <laughs> uh, there, but. Anyway, um, yeah, so, and Silver Bordered has also changed, like, now they don't do, they don't make that distinction, they make, they make cards that are either Eternal Legal or Acorn, and they have the Acorn stamp, so now they don't even do Silver Border anymore, I think all of the old Silver Bordered cards, I don't even know, like, there are definitely some Silver Bordered cards that could be done that could be made eternal legal, but I don't think they've gone back and made that, made that call for each of them. For a long time, silver bordered cards didn't even have updated oracle text, like, because, like, what would be the point, I guess? And I, I can imagine if your rules manager, it's probably the bottom of your pile, like, going through, like, like, 400 silver bordered cards and, like, trying to come up with updated rules text for them and having to you know, sit down with Mark Rosewater, the self-appointed silver border rules manager, and, like, hash out how that would work, and, like, oh, but does updating the wording, like, spoil the joke? I don't know. So, anyway, but now Acorn is kind of a, a different thing. That's a tangent, again. Um, so, anyway, back to Universes Beyond, though. Uh, Universes Beyond, they kind of toyed with it, with the My Little Pony cards, with the Transformers and Nerf cards, all using Hasbro IP in the D&D card. Um, so that was all using Hasbro IP, so they didn't really, they didn't have to license anything or bend too many rules. Um, but, yeah, let's see, am I missing any? There were Transformers... Dungeons and Dragons, of course. Uh, they, they brought that in for 
a set, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, that was originally, like, intended to replace a core set, and then it just kind of became its own thing. There were commander decks associated with that set. Um, with the set code AFC, that will never not make me think of Ted Lasso. Uh, Ted Lasso Secret Layer win. Um, but yeah, so now we've got Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, uh, D&D was also brought back for Commander Legends 2, uh, Legends of Baldur's Gate? Legends of Baldur's Gate? I don't know. Um, everybody just refers to it as Commander Legends 2 or CLB because it's a long title. Same reason you'll never see people in the wild refer to it. <laughs> I think it's called Magic the Gathering. Dungeons and Dragons, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Nobody ever even calls it Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. It's too unwieldy. So you will see uh, AFR referred to in the in the wild. Anyway, now there's a Lord of the Rings set, which is much more... I mean, I guess it's on par with what we got for the D&D uh, IP. Although, this is a licensed IP. It's, it's much bigger than... Like, they, they did the Warhammer 40k treatment for the Commander decks, in which um, they didn't even do... They did this for Warhammer 40k and for um, Lord of the Rings, wherein every single card in the in the deck list got new art and is reflavored to, to kind of mesh with uh, that outside IP. They have not done that for the D&D decks. There's also, I haven't really mentioned this, but there's a frame that's kind of unique that they've used for outside IP cards. And it's a little, like, the the Magic frame, the 8th edition frame as we know it, kind of got a facelift for Magic 2015, uh, in which, like, the bottom part of the frame was kind of, like, cut off uh, so that they could start putting, like, machine-readable text at the, at the bottom. Um, that included the, the set code, the collector number, um, the rarity, like, a letter for the rarity, rather than, you know, it's, it's more accessible that way, more friendly to a colorblind audience, for example. Um, so, you know, they changed the frame a little bit. It's... The frame now is a little less, like, before the, the 8th edition to M15 frame, they had at the bottom border, this is really, really nerdy, really granular, but they had a little bit more texture to the frame visible down there. Like, the black frame had looked kind of like bubbling ooze or like a, a cauldron full of some poison. Um, the... You know, the blue frame is, like, shimmering, like, light refracted through water. Uh, the white frame is... I, I don't know. I guess just kind of clouds a little bit. Um, the green frame looks like uh, leaves. It's got kind of, like, chitinous, like, little veins running through it. Um, the red frame looks like, uh, God, how can I not remember? I've looked at so many red cards. <laughs> um, 
kind of looks like 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 sort of a fiery texture. So, and you know, like they, the old frames, the original, the game's original frames looked even more different from one, one another. Like each of them had kind of a different, you know, like the the black outer frame was like bubbling muck, but then the text box was like looked like a, a scroll. And then, like, the green text box looked like a hunk of wood. So, like, even the text box designs were kind of distinct from one another. The mount, the, the red frame um, looked like kind of chiseled granite or something. Like, all of it was very hard-edged. Um, anyway, another tangent. But, so the... Um... The frames, when they updated them for M15, lost some of that, like, a little bit of that texture that you could see below the text box. Um, the, the universes beyond frame for outside IP is even more kind of smoothed out, a little bit more generic looking. Um, like, they all kind of, every color looks like kind of tinted, a tint, a colored tint of, like, the same... Every color's text... Every colored frame looks kind of like a tint. Like a... Every colored frame looks kind of like a colored... A different colored tint of the same frame. Like, it's kind of a little metallic, a little shimmering. Um, and, of course, they use the triangle, and, of course, they use the triangular, uh, hollow foil stamp, um, I believe for all cards, regardless of rarity. Um, in normal magic, only rares and mythic rares, and I guess some promos get a different, not counting acorn, don't want to get into it again, um, but only rares and mythics, and I guess maybe some promos use the, the round hollow foil stamp. They don't put that on commons and uncommons. But they do for all cards. Um, I believe even basic lands. I would have to check, but uh, for universes beyond uh, outside IP. For D&D, they did not do that, and they didn't do the commander deck treatment where they take every uh, every card and reskin it. Like, there were a lot of cards from, that were reprints in the, you know, AFC decks, uh, that were, you know, just using the, the normal magic flavor. And I guess that's because they own both properties, and that is likely to never change. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast will likely always have those two big temples of Magic the Gathering and D&D. Um, any rate, I, the other announced Universes Beyond product at this time, and I believe it's the only other one that we know of, is, wait, no, that's right, they did announce more for, yeah, there's gonna be Final Fantasy, I think the next upcoming one is Doctor Who, 
and they're making commander decks for that. So we can expect more triangle, uh, hollow foil stamp, more alternate borders, and uh, unique art and flavor for every reprinted card. In addition to probably a larger than normal number of um, original cards to represent that, that Doctor Who flavor. Um, and then there's Final Fantasy and I think Assassin's Creed. Yeah. So that's going to be weird. Um, I don't know which Assassin's Creed they'll do or all of them, or maybe there'll be a commander deck for Ezio and one for Altair. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I also, Final Fantasy. <laughs> like, which Final Fantasy? Um, time will tell. Um, so I guess the other thing I want to get into is, because Lord of the Rings is a full set, and, you know, it's the, the, the largest stride. I mean, at the time... At the time... Walking Dead was the biggest step into the unknown because it was really the first universes beyond that wasn't silver bordered. People always kind of felt like they could ignore silver bordered cards. Like they were never tournament legal in anything. They often had silly mechanics that reference things that per the regular comp rules, like the game can't care about. Like how many letters are in this text box or like, uh, you know, did you do a little dance to activate this ability or not? Um, and so Silver Border was kind of like given a pass. You know, people used Rule Zero to make Twilight Sparkle Commander decks, though, and that was fine. But I think they wanted to push it and make these things a little bit more like, command a little bit more value on the secondary market, because the only people making Twilight Sparkle Commander decks are people who, you know, acquire this random-ass silver-bordered card and, like, like twist their playgroup's arms, or, like, like convince the randos that they play with at local game stores to let them play this deck. And, like, is it a good deck? Probably not, but, like, you know, people have strong feelings about immersion and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, The Walking Dead probably could have done way better if they announced, we're making these cards, but we're going to make magic versions of them. Or we're not going to push as hard making them, making walker tokens and stuff like that. Or we're going to use characters that are less, like, controversial, even within the Walking Dead fandom. Or we're going to find an IP completely separate from Walking Dead that is a little bit more magic adjacent, is at least fantasy. Like, The Walking Dead, I don't, like, horror is in this kind of weird genre space where it's not really sci-fi, it's not really fantasy oftentimes, but it's kind of speculative in the same way. Um, there's no magic in Walking Dead as far as I'm aware. It's, it's strictly, like... you know, speculative horror. Somewhat sci-fi if you want to go there, I suppose. But to see a guy wearing, like, jeans and a flannel shirt holding a rifle and his name is Rick, and that's a guy that you might want to play as a commander for your human tribal deck, leading, like, 
human knights and, like, uh, human clerics and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe that's a little weird. Human wizards. Yeah, maybe that's a little too far. Um, and I wish they had found the line beforehand, but I guess this is why they experiment with stuff. Um, the other thing, the distribution method with a secret layer, that was a big blunder. Um, to say these are mechanically unique cards that might be relevant in Legacy and we're never going to reprint them again, that's a big oof. A big oof and a big goof. Um, so anyway... Uh, but now Lord of the Rings is really pushing boundaries again. Obviously, Lord of the Rings is much more magic-adjacent. Um, it's the Ur-Fantasy property. Of course it fits. You know, so much of magic's DNA owes to Lord of the, Ring Lord Lord of the Rings. So ma- Of course it fits. So much of magic's existence is owed to Lord of the Rings existing 50 years previously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... I, I guess... You know, I've seen people still kind of foment outrage over the fact that they're not printing universes within versions for the Lord of the Rings set, which... Honestly, how? Like, even if you could, like, reskin the ring tempts you mechanic and it becomes something else, or like, the ring in this context means like, like a, a halo ring or something, or like, the ring is like, uh, like a witch, a coven of witches or something. I don't know, you really have to stretch. And then, like, are you going to reflavor all of these legendary creatures, all these characters, to be other characters? Like, if you do that, you are literally making the shabbiest Lord of the Rings knockoff. And the most... The most cynical, like... <laughs> most embarrassing, one-to-one -one correlation... Lord of the Rings knockoff that has ever been put to, to paper and sold as a product. And, like, who knows? Probably the Tolkien estate, you know, whoever they licensed this IP from would not let you. Um, the whole idea is absolute nonsense. Like, you're gonna take this entire set and say, like, yeah, but we're releasing magic playable uh, versions. We're releasing magic we're, we're releasing magic playable versions. Also, does that mean, like, are they doing the Godzilla treatment where now it'll say, like, uh, you know, like, uh, Jack Harefoot, uh, and then right small under it, it'll say Frodo Baggins. And then it'll still be, like, a halfling scout with the ring tempts you and all this stuff. Like, come on. Um, or are they just going to print functionally identical cards with a different name? In which case, now you can play, like, up to eight copies of every card in that set. That's giving it way too much credence in 
that's giving it way too much influence in every format. <laughs> you know, you think that it's going to ruin your commander experience to sit down across from somebody playing a Sauron deck, but it's not going to ruin your experience to sit down across from somebody playing a Sauron deck who also has uh, Schmauron in the 99? Like, no. Think. Um, and, like, okay, I, I mentioned the Street Fighter cards and that I was going to get back to them. Now seems like a good time. Dominaria uh, was the fall set that got... That seems to be the theme. Like, they'll, they'll come out with, like, uh, like early 2021, early 2022, they came out with uh, the Stranger Things Secret Layer and the Street Fighter Secret Layer, respectively. By the end of that year, you know, the pattern held. Uh, the, the early fall set contained the universes within versions of those cards. That's great. Um, so far, it's worked okay. Again, like, Stranger Things, it's kind of weird, you know, the way the, the creature types lined up and the flavor was kind of at a mismatch at times. Um, but then the Street Fighter cards, you've got characters like Chun-Li, a, a super flavorful card they made for Chun-Li, by the way. It's got multi-kicker. She's, like, famous for the kick spam thing. Um, multi-kicker, and you exile counter uh, cards from your graveyard or something that have kick counters on them for each time she was kicked. That's all super flavorful. They put it on a card in Dominaria... Uh, united in the set boosters that's called Zethi Arcane Blade Master. Arcane Blade Master. And because they couldn't functionally change anything about the card, Zethi has multi-kicker and exiles cards with kick counters on them. So I guess what they were just burying the lead with Zethi's title and she's actually really great at kicking stuff or really enjoys kicking stuff, even though the sword is, like, her day job. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It's really weird. There's also, like, people have pointed out, oh, it's so flavorful that they gave Ken and Ryu the, um... Ryu? Ryu? I don't know. Um, I don't play fighting games. Um, that they gave those characters, like, Hadoken and Shoryoken attacks that, uh, you know, you gotta, like... Oh, the un the untap symbol. It's kind of like you gotta pull the the joystick in that direction counterclockwise, and then hit you know this button combo to to Shoryuken or whatever. Um, that's really flavorful. Why does this ca uh, character have um, an untap symbol on it? Like for the first time in twenty years? I don't know. No reason, I guess. See, that's the kind of stuff you end up with when the mechanics are not tied to any kind of flavor. Just the most generic, like... Like... Friggin' Guile. Again, I don't play uh, fighting games. I've never really played Street Fighter seriously, except in an arcade. And... Like, I know Guile... I know Guile's theme. I know that he's, like, the... the you know like, super American guy with blonde hair in a Japanese fighting game, and that's funny. But, like, he's, like, a human soldier in Jeskai that, like, just does 
stuff and MR'd the Storm Cleaver, I think. And, like, what's the flavor? What's happening here? I guess that one's, like, more forgivable, but, like... I don't know. So I just think, like, the, the more they do of this and the more they have to kind of, like, push and, like, kind of squeeze things to, like, fit magic flavor, the worse it's going to be, the more obvious it will be that these these cards are not made with magic in mind originally or made with a original magic setting in mind. It's just going to feel like, oh, yeah, this is just Ken from Street Fighter. What's the joy in that? Um, and I guess my, my final point, apart from the impracticality of, of universes within at any scale, oh, and also, like, maybe it works on Dominaria, because Dominaria is, like, canonically the most wildly diverse plane in the multiverse. Like, its whole point is that it was, like, the Ur plane, it's got, like, all kinds of stuff going on there. Like, sure, they could find, like, six concepts or whatever to kind of overlap with, like, you know, like, Dalsim, uh, a monk, you know, sure, we can find a concept for that. Would that work for every setting? Probably not. Are they just going to use Dominaria for every universe is within? Probably not. I don't think they should either. I don't think it would make sense. Anyway, so at scale, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. And, like, people have often pointed to that cardboard crack comic. It's sort of like, you know, whatever magic web comic that, you know, people seem to love on the subreddit. Where it's like, I tap my Iron Man to to destroy your Spongebob or whatever. And it's like, if they make cards for Spongebob, first of all, again, I think they're, they're trying to keep a kind of tight net on, like, what is magic, what is consistent with magic flavor and stuff. And, like, they pushed, like, magic flavor itself has really been pushing boundaries lately. Like, there's new Capenna. It's a 1920s Chicago set, you know? Like, uh, there's, there's Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. It's a cyberpunk setting. Like, they've been pushing that. So, I don't even know if they really need to keep consistent with, um, you know, with magic lore. Like, it could be, they could do, like, Star Trek, for all I care. Um... You know, like, yeah, it'd be a little weird to do something that's explicitly hard sci-fi rather than... Although, I guess you want to call Star, Star Trek hard sci-fi, I don't know. But do you want to do something that's more explicitly sci-fi than magical in any way? <coughs> maybe, maybe not. But, I don't know, it's, I accept that this is a direction that the game might want to push in, you know, beyond original lore and stuff, because again, like, they make these characters, these designs that are super flavorful, and I think for Lord of the Rings, 
there are 121 legendary creatures between the main set and the commander decks. And honestly, even if a lot of them are not, like, playable as commanders, um, they all add great flavor. Like, the, the random, like, you know black red signpost on common legendary creature is like oh yeah that's the guy who says meat is back on the menu got boys um or like i don't know there's just it's it's oozing flavor from every pore and magic at its best i think what people don't like about this is that it's kind of revealing that magic lore is a lot more surface level than they kind of hoped and that um you know brothers war we had four different versions of Urza joining the already extant uh, one version of Urza. Um, I guess six if you want to stretch and count Urza Planeswalker as distinct from Urza uh, Lord High Artificial... No, what is it? Urza... Not Prince Regent. I guess if you want to stretch and... Uh, I guess if you want to stretch and call Urza Planeswalker distinct from, uh, you know, the, the front face of that card, I'm, I'm not, I'm blanking on the name. I guess if you want to stretch and, and call Urza Planeswalker distinct from Urza Lord Protector. But, like, what we get back to is the fact that, you know, for one of the biggest characters in magic history that overshadows so much later story, freaking Urza, they made... They have, like, five, max six cards to represent Urza. And they just made, like, five, six to represent Gandalf. And, like... Um... Like, Gandalf is, you know, of course, in the wider culture... The wider, you know, fantasy landscape, Gandalf is a bigger character than Urza. Like, that's just true. And, like, you know, it's, it's, it's inarguable. Um, but I think for a lot of people who are, like, real diehards for magic story and lore and have been for a long time, that's kind of, that's kind of hard to, hard to swallow. You know, maybe Urza for them has been bigger than Gandalf. And I think that's kind of the tough thing. Like, people who really fall in love with magic lore, you know, they're going to maybe have a hard time accepting, like, intermixing that with uh, lore even from another IP they really enjoy. But... I don't know. Where does this leave us? I think, obviously, they're not going to reprint, like, make a whole set of functionally identical cards reskin to Magic, because what would that even mean? The more cards you have, the less 
magic, the gathering there is in that. The cheaper the facsimile becomes. Um, I, I, all I really hope for for universes beyond in the future is that they find properties that are relatively consistent with magic magic's tone if not magic's plainer flavor um which again you know magic jumps around to different planes you're already playing you know zombies from Amenket, mummies from egypt in other words alongside zombies from innistrad in your you know in your will help deck um bad example maybe because I don't know, are there many blue almond cat zombies in your um, uh, Varina deck, let's say. Uh, alongside, yeah, the, the Frankenstein zombies from, like, gothic horror Germany, you know? Like, that's already a flavor mix that you're making. I suppose there could be people out there who really are into block constructed or something. Uh, uh, Kamigawa block tiny leaders or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, but yeah, like magic does this. It's kind of intrinsically part of the game already. And beyond that, like, have you ever, here's a thought experiment. Have you ever considered like like you're watching a TV show or a movie or reading a book or just thinking about, you know, daydreaming about your or just daydreaming about a favorite IP that you like. IP kind of, it's the same or just daydreaming about a favorite story that you like. Do you ever think oh, I bet Goku would be red-white what would a Goku card do? What would his creature type be? Saiyan, probably? And Goku, or Gohan, Saiyan, probably? And then Gohan could be human Saiyan to represent. And then there'd probably be warriors, right? That makes sense. Maybe monks? Would anybody be a monk? Um, maybe Kami could be a cleric? What would Goku do? Probably have, like, haste, maybe flying. Probably have, like, great power and toughness. Maybe some kind of direct damage ability. You know, like, very easily you get onto some kind of tangent about, like, what color would this be? What color am I? You're already applying magic lore to... You know, people get altars done to reskin magic cards as like Darth Vader or whatever like like the the truth you may not like is that wizards didn't do this because they thought it was unpopular they didn't do this because they didn't think there was any money in it they did this because they knew that a lot of people would really enjoy playing a game that they really enjoy <laughs> but with characters from other properties that they really like. And honestly, yeah, you got me. So 
anyway, I guess that's all I, all I got to say. Um, ultimately, universes beyond is not the enemy. What is the enemy is anti-consumer business practices, um, predatory distribution methods, things like that. We can be mad and rabble about that. That's, that's a different matter. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, it's a different matter. Like, it went hand-in-hand hand with the Walking Dead secret layer, but, you know, they've kind of tightened ship since then. So, in any case, I am parked back at home, and I am going to call it a night. That is another long... Re oh, God. Yeah, it's a very long one. Anyways, I am home right now, and I am excited to call it a night. Your listenership is deeply appreciated. Once again, feel free to check out the website, letmeexplainyouathing.com. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. In any case, I'm glad you're here. Bye-bye, friends. Another long... Oh, God. Yeah, it's a very long one. Anyways, I am home right now, and I am excited to call it a night. Your listenership is deeply appreciated. Once again, feel free to check out the website, letmeexplainyouathing.com. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. In any case, I'm glad you're here. Bye-bye, friends.